Hello and welcome to Geopod, a podcast where we look at all things spatial. It may not be rocket science, but it's geoscience. I'm Azile. Hi, I'm Victoria. Hi, and I'm Cameron. Thanks for the intro, Azile. So just to get us started, I thought I would quickly explain why we started this podcast. The podcast is something we've spoken about for quite a while, the three of us. But with the current lockdown, we thought, why not get it started? For me, the main aim for this podcast is to introduce the JS311 students to various opportunities within the geospatial sphere in the industry. We interviewed some young professionals to see what they are currently doing. Cameron, and on your side... My motivation for doing this podcast is really just for pure interest and chatting to people. I have such an interest in geoinformatics. I absolutely love what I do. So every time I can do something about it, learn something about it, and even chat to people in the field about it, I get passionate. It's something I enjoy. So for me, doing this podcast, it's all about chatting to people and enlightening people that might have questions. So I am a student coming out of the student world into the working world next year. And I'm sure I'll have lots of questions about job hunting and what it's like to really work in the field. So chatting to people who have all this experience is such a bonus because they can tell me things that I might not necessarily know or might learn the hard way. And then this way I can go out a bit more prepared and make myself a bit more work ready. And you, Azile? Okay, um, I want to get an insight into the world of GIS, not only up-and-coming tools that will be valuable in, in the future when I do eventually start working, but what it, most importantly, what it, what's like in industry and what skills, um, um, like Cameron said, what skills are required in the workplace. And then also just what a person who, gives an in, who interviews people um, is looking for in a potential employee. So, yes. Hello and welcome back to Geopod. Today we'll be speaking to Frickon on how he went from being a geographer to being a developer. Enjoy. Okay, so just to start off, could you please tell us a bit about uh, where you currently work and what it is you do on a day-to-day basis? Hi guys. So currently I'm working in a developer house. We focus on developing custom solutions to clients. We do a lot of general custom development. We don't specialize in specific domains because our clients come from four reaches, from prop tech to spatial chain management. We've got a few education systems as well. We build websites and apps. We do a little bit of integration. So yeah, we do we do build things um, using code. How did you decide that you wanted to go into geoinformatics? <laughs> so this is an interesting question, which I get a lot um, from people when they hear my background. And then, the, the, you know, so you are a developer, yes, I'm a developer, and then, but I'm not a developer. And this is exactly what I think happened to me with geoinformatics as well. Um, I started out with geography because I just love uh, nature and uh, general, like like uh, human um, studies. I did a lot of uh, anthropology and archaeological subjects as well. And one of the biggest things for me was the just a broad sense of spectrum I could get from geography. But I've always had a love for information sciences and like computers. And before I knew it, I was doing well in GIS because we all had GIS subjects in geography. In 310, uh, I got taught by Victoria. She was my lecturer there. 
And it was quite interesting. I just started exploring my future prospects and Victoria made the suggestion of an honors in geoinformatics after, uh, I think it was our second semester test um, in, in, in GIS. And then I was like, oh, but I don't know. I'm not sure if that's what I want to do. Typical student. And then I did something wild. I went and did GMT. Um, and GMT was the clincher. GMT is where I realized that this is something I can do for the rest of my life and enjoy it a lot. One of the toughest periods in my life, the six months that I'm alive and well today um, and strong is GMT's fault um, because you, know, you can survive anything if you can survive GMT. <laughs> no, definitely. Is there anything that you learned specifically in your studies in geoinformatics that you use regularly in your workplace and what you do? Yes, there's a lot. It's not like maths where they teach you things that you probably wouldn't reuse every day. But the skills that I, I got to hone in, in, in geoinformatics um, in general, especially uh, what I had from GMT, the life skills and the work readiness skills I picked up there, I use every day. Um, you wouldn't believe it, but um, I subscribe to the project management exam now <laughs> for people that join my teams, um, just for them to get an understanding of project management. Uh, I don't know if Victoria still does that, but we had to write the exam um, about project management before we got started in GMT. And GIS in general, we use data and we use to move data around databases and standards. Um, I'm currently the facilitator for a few standard groups at my current company to standardize a lot. So all the standards what you get taught in, in, in third year, very shallowy, and then in, in honors where you get like a whole subject about standards and stuff, then yeah, that's, I still use a lot. Um, and I do appreciate the knowledge I got from, from, from varsity level. So yeah, it was, it was quite, it's quite easy fix for me going from what I got taught and, and then using it. And then just like basic um, research skills. I think that's a big thing currently. People lack research skills. And in my field, we almost, we are more on Google than anything else, finding new tech stacks, new solutions to problems, stuff like that. So yeah, it's just across the board. I've, I'm using all the skills I got taught there. Okay, it's good to hear that um, we don't teach you things that are not necessary at least. How relevant is those type of skills such as project management, requirement, management, elicitation, etc. for your daily job? It might sound boring to a lot of people to think that most of my day is managing teams and people, clients. And when you do these things for marks, it's way different. I mean, you just want to have a pause or maybe you, you, you're you pushing for that distinction. And then the requirement is like, okay, you need 75 or you need 50. That's not okay. So, I mean, that's a simple requirement. But when you get into systems and solutions and designing and architecturing them and then building them, it's a massive amount of of work. If I could redo GMT, I would say 90% of my time would have been spent like four months or five months of the six months would have been spent planning it properly and then executing in the, in the last month. Requirement management is a massive thing. We've got project managers. There's somebody's work to make sure 
that when we get new requirements or we get um, scope change, we call it scope creep, we need to manage that. We need to facilitate that. There's workshops to define this. Most of us use apps and we use software and stuff. You know, somebody had the idea that he sat down to weekends in a dark room, coding his, his nights away, and then we've got this lovely software. That's not how it works. Most of the time, it's a lot of documentation. We use digital solutions like Google and the suite, and we've got the Google Drive, which is buffered and for each project we set up we've got about 17 folders with 17 folders in each with 17 documents in each of those subfolders it's quite massive and it's quite daunting to traverse that the first time but if you start off building it by brick by brick and you get at the end of that and you can ensure that everybody all the stakeholders all the team members everyone knows what we are building it's just a joy people understanding the problem finding the solutions those magic moments are all frequent and you just enjoy them a lot. Project management, what I got taught in GMT was the tip of the iceberg. What I do now is write documentations and, and speak to clients and elicit some, some guidance from them because I don't always have the domain knowledge required to understand the problem. So it's my job to go find out. One of the best examples I can give you is this morning I was in a meeting with a client and we spent 20 minutes discussing how um, poor performance reviews are handled in a labor in a labor space. We're building a labor tech solution, and for this I need to understand how you go about having a structured performance review and how do you identify poor performance and how what is the what are you within laws right you can do about that so for it's it's just it explodes the mind to think about all of the information that i need to traverse to get to a point where i can sit down fire up my VS code or my IDE and, and type on my keyboard and make something for them. Um, it's not just, oh, I sit down and I write. And that's one thing I think also that I got taught later on is that if you plan properly, you can do anything. You just need to know how to plan. Planning is definitely the key to success, I think. No, for sure. I mean, the audience at home won't know, um, but I still have my notebook you brought back for me as a gift once from Google. And um, I use it every day, making notes, jotting down requirements and making things that I have to go research later on. It's not always the funnest thing to do for people, but if you make notes and you get back to them. During the lockdown, I just went back to my first notes about projects that are like concluded. And I was laughing about the notes I made at the beginning of projects, just because of the sheer um, like I, I, the unknowns of the unknown i mean you don't know what you don't know and then you get into it and then you start digesting bits of pieces in the weirdest way it's calls with clients it's reading their, their briefs sometimes clients give you two lines and then you have to build this massive system almost two years worth of work in two lines so you need to build on it and and, and mm. for that you need a proper plan especially if there's a lot of people involved in your team just listening to you talk about how important it is to understand the context is actually quite refreshing for me because I had to write the context that essentially the architects collect data, what format, how they collected that story. 
And I struggled to write my requirements, but then when I realized if I have a context, like a solid functional context, it's easier to write your requirements. People don't like writing out requirements. Kudos to you for writing a whole chapter. I can just believe for a more this is what you need to write in the academical sense. Our documentation is built for speed and we don't have to reference anything. <laughs> like form, <laughs> it comes after function for us. For us, it's about getting the point across. Uh, we rely a lot on business process flows um, because all actions are based out of like you going from step one till step two, step three. It's it's almost like a algorithm. If we can distill the algorithm easier, and for that we've got business analysts, which are only focused on analyzing processes and and understanding the problem and how the current processes are because most of the time there is an analog process that we are trying to mimic and extend and augment by building a digital solution. We can't do that without just getting into it and just like building it. Uh, we need to understand small details, things that we are allowed to do, business rules. Um, and those things are locked up into the context, right? You said rightfully. Well, it sounds like you actually really enjoy your job. So how did you go about actually finding your current job? Um, did you walk straight out of university and walk into this one? Or did you go through another um, one? How did you find this job? My life is a little bit different than most students. But during my honors, my wife and I, we started our family. And my firstborn was born in March, uh, right in, in writing semester dates. I think I wrote Prof. Kutsia's test on laws, I think, on ethics. In, in the week that my daughter was born. After that, um, my life took a different perspective. Uh, most of my classmates went on to do masters. And unfortunately, that's not a money-making thing to do a masters. Yes, you get by and you can do it. And it's a wonderful thing. And I support anyone that does it. Um, but unfortunately for me, I don't think I was chosen to do it at that time. So I needed to shape up and it then sort of, becoming a thing for me about getting a job so as a student you think okay i've got this degree and i've got my honors who can stop me right i can get a job uh, and unfortunately that's not the case people do appreciate those things but that's not necessarily where they stop they want business experience experience in the field so i started out with a little bit of um, freelancing and I started building up some experience there. Um, I went out and tried to make my GMT project almost a business. I was a dream then. Um, I would have done it way differently now than what I've done then. But I tried a lot of things because I knew that at the end of the year, as soon as I get my honors, I needed to move and start providing for my family. So I started going into exploring coding, as most people know it, programming, software engineering. And I started a profile on the platform Offerjet. And I was scared um, because... First of all, there's a lot of like stigma around the profession. Um, you have to be this white space guy that's never seen the daylight in his life. And you have to talk almost in binary ones and zeros to really enjoy it. So I was very like cautious about my decision. And I, put, I wrote myself a little note about my salary expectation. And I put this on the platform and I had my few rounds of interviews, which were quite daunting because now 
this guy with a geoinformatics degree sitting in front of a bunch of programmers and I need to understand what they're asking me before I even can answer the question. Um, it was quite daunting. And then I got hired by a company as a junior developer. Um, this is, I think, a tip I would give to anyone starting out. Start at the bottom. Give yourself that space. Do that. Don't try to get into middle management from the get-go or try to be the senior. Um, take your time. If you've got the degree, wonderful. Uh, I appreciate that. But I can tell you now, most probably a guy with two years experience, be able. you won't be comparable to the thing because you don't know. You really don't know. And no matter how much the university teaches you, they can't prepare you for that. Um, getting up in the morning at 8, leaving at 5, being in meetings, being with colleagues. And marks is one thing, but if it's with people's livelihoods, if you can't just get a 50 salary, you want a 100% salary. So okay. you have to work hard, you have to commit. And I started at the bottom, but I never stopped. I never stopped learning. I never stopped committing myself to what I was busy with. Um, I read a lot. I brought my um, whole set of tools from just not the set of tools I got from GMT and extended that into my owners. I went and expanded that to something more. So thankfully I got a chance to get some on training, on work chat training. So and I've got a wonderful colleagues that I still have now. Um, and you I used a lot of online resources to expand my horizons to the point where I'm now. Currently I'm on senior management, I'm, I, did my, I don't think it's official, but my title is um, a CDO. I'm the chief developer officer. So I'm more about the learning and the understanding and the growing and nurturing of all my colleagues and making sure that they expand their knowledge base. So and that was in a span of two years. Um, I can believe that anyone can make a difference to themselves in, in, in a very short time if they commit and apply themselves. It's, it's daunting. I'm not going to lie. There were nights that I thought about what the hell am I doing here? Why am I doing this to myself? But it got to a point where I realized that it's tough. Um, and the reason it's tough, it's like a brick wall. It's not, not there to, to keep you out, but it's there to sh let you show how much you want it. That difficult thesis you're writing, um, that difficult semester test, um, those things are not there to block you. Those are there to let you show how much you want the goal, the prize at the end. And for me, that was the, was a defining factor when I was looking for a job. Um, I wasn't just looking for a job. I wanted to do something that would amaze me and make me happy. And uh, like, I don't wake up with alarm in the morning. I get up because I want to go to work. I want to see my colleagues. I want to get to my clients. I want to do my job um, because my job is not just a job. It's something more. It's where I get to create something that has a small part to play in the world. So yeah, a long-winded answer to a very short question. Sorry, Cameron. <laughs> no worries. It's always glad to hear the last story of some people because it can inspire people. Because I know for me personally, um, my goal this year is to learn a lot more programming than I currently know. So anyone who's listening to us, what are your do's and don'ts um, about looking for a job? So not necessarily in the working field, but looking for a job. During my time looking for a job and being in a job, you get this question about what makes you happy at the job. And I wrote a few things there in a time where I really needed to do a lot of introspection about myself and what I was busy with. And I came to realize that 
most of us, we, we do enjoy what we do, but it's so much better if we can share it with people. So in saying that, I would say, do make it about the, the place you choose. Don't get hooked up into culture, like benefits and perks, they will always be. Um, people will tell you, oh, yeah, but we get every second Friday or yeah, because you don't want to be with your colleagues. So eight out of the 10 days, you're with your colleagues. So that one day you get off, that's not going to work. So what what are you doing? So don't, don't, don't get hooked up and get caught up into the vibes of people trying to get your hours. It's your time, um, your knowledge, and it's your life. Um, most of the day, you're going to spend at your job. And most probably, even if you do only have an eight to five, most jobs do ask you to do things out of it, outside of it. Think, even if you're just, just thinking about it, it will eat into your hours, into your life. So rather than just making it about the money and the salary at the end, make sure that you know what makes you happy. It makes you happy being outside continuously and not being in a stuffy room with other people, then don't don't get the office job. Unfortunately, if you chose this degree, most probably you will be in an office with other people. Um, and our current work environments are open plan. So most offices are open plan because it's cheap. Um, salary, yeah, it's a difficult thing. I'm open about my salary to my colleagues. I believe I, I'm a little bit different in that sense that most people hide their expectations and um, that's the first question i would ask you in the interview this is what is your expectation and then tell me oh it's about 40 ish k stuff like that be exact and tell me what i can get for that um it's a transaction after that transaction i get to a point where i can ask questions about what would you like to do what do you what does excite you working in a team learning from a team I've, I've sat in like several interviews in the last six months. And one of the biggest things people tell me what makes them happy is being part of a team that cares about them. It might, might sound a little bit fluffy and, and, and in corporates. And that's not always the case just because of the size. But if that's something that appeals to you, look for that. Um, go out and make sure you've got a list. Be prepared. Um, don't rock up at the interview trying to defend yourself almost as much about them choosing you as you choosing them. Make sure that you are happy with what they're telling you. If anything is off, you, you're that gut intuition most people have, act on that. That's fine. If they can't, if you can't keep, keep, be comfortable with somebody for an hour, how are you going to be comfortable with them for more than that, going to your work every day? So I try to, when candidates sit in front of me for an interview, I try to Calm them down, make sure that they, I don't ask them questions about what they have they done in the last three months, stuff like that. Most probably I'm like, so what do you work with? What do you enjoy? And I try to get the honest answers because I will tell you if there's something at my company that's not for you. Um, if you tell me, uh, I like tea, I don't like coffee and we only serve coffee, then I'm going to have to tell you that. Um, for me, it's about the people. If we can invest into the right people, then we can have a wonderful team to work with. And then one of my biggest success stories is the current team um, that I've helped build and I love them. Um, we, can get, we can get through anything. Even with this COVID, with lockdown, where people are losing their jobs, we are giving raises. We are committing to them. We are making sure they are, their livelihood is what it should be. And we're currently all working. A lot of people don't work in this time. Um, but like you, we, we find remote ways and we get together and we do it. We laugh, we make jokes, we, we cry when there's some sort of sadness in their lives uh, with them. 
um, we, we care about each other. So make it about something else than the money. The money will come, and then on the second day when all your debit orders ran, then it's a lot less. And then from there out, there's a struggle till the end of the month. Um, and you don't want to be happy for three days uh, a month. So find a way to be happy. That's going to keep you safe. That's going to get you through all this. Don't be abused. Don't ever be abused. And that's it's a very thin line, being um, loyal and being abused. That's the thing that I'm very strict about. I do tell people don't, and then they're like, no, 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 just a small thing. And then four hours in the evening, they start working. And then I get my big bad boss voice out and I say, listen, yeah, if you're not going to bed now, I will write you a written warning because you're working after hours. In my mind, that's looking for trouble. That's fine. It sounds like you're a fair employer. For those that are listening, um, in the episode comments, we will link the articles that you spoke about to that. So anyone who wants to have a read of the articles can have a read of them. But um, (laughs) let's try something here. I want to try something with you. Let's do a a scenario quickly. Let's keep this uh, not, not too long, but let's answer this. So you have an interview with me, okay? You interviewed yes. me for a job as a junior developer. I walk in. What's the first thing you notice about me? And what's the first thing you look for? What's that one thing that can make me stand out from other candidates before I even open my mouth? It's the way you handle yourself. Um, most probably you're nervous. That's fine. I can see you're nervous because you really want this job. You wouldn't have done all the trouble to come to here to see me. So I see you're nervous, but the way you handle yourself under pressure in that moment is a defining moment because the, the team does go through pressure moments and we need to, we are as strong as our weakest link. So I check you out, try to be friendly. You try to get those, that pressure off you as soon as I can, because if you're pressured, um, you will maybe answer not the whole truth. You will answer the answer you think I want to hear, if you get what I'm saying. So if I can get you to be calm and still see you under pressure, then that's a big plus for me. I, I, I try to understand what you are on about. Like what is, what is going on in your mind about the situation? And I appreciate it if you ask questions quickly. Like if you ask me, okay, so what do you do? So if I ask you, so what projects have you been working on in the last two weeks? And you ask me, uh, well, what did projects have you been working on after answering me? Then I will be like, that's open and that's a conversation. That's not a question and answer interview. That's something where I can get to know someone. Um, and I do like that. So it's about how you handle yourself. That's the first thing I would check. Okay. Sounds fair. Sounds fine. And it's not about dress. Like I've seen guys that come with jeans and a t-shirt and they're old Converse tackies. Like, really, that's not what it's all about. Um, most probably I'll be in a collar shirt um, but or I'll be in a T-shirt, most probably as well. But that's not the thing I check. But I think that's dependent on the companies you, you apply to. But I think one general rule is, is how you, even whatever the cover is, the book inside, the, how you hold yourself in a pressure moment like that. That's something that will define you from the rest, definitely. Okay. Yeah, no, it sounds good. What is your current favorite tools to use so Ooh. that our listeners get an idea of some cool tools to check out? So, I mean, the flavor of the week situation um, for me is currently we working on AWS. So AWS is Amazon's web services. Um, it's massive. 
it's massive. And every flipping day I'm on it, I found something new. Um, anything from OCR, which is reading text from documents so that you can send it a document and it sends you the text back. Um, a picture, a photo, a PDF, you name it. That's that's just like it starts there going to more very like TensorFlow, um, machine learning, AI. They've got cool names for their stuff. Um, uh, containers, Lambdas. Lambdas are amazing currently. Um, I enjoy Lambdas. Um, but yeah, that's heavy. Uh, if you haven't started coding yet, that's a little bit heavy maybe. Um, but do try them. They've got beginner level stuff out as well and it's free. And most probably you can get a year free of, of the um, server hosting for free there. And it's just amazing. Um, I run with VS Code, which is free. It's open source. Um, I bleed open source. I like um, building a little bit of databases. So my database flavor is our one and only Postgres. Um, don't even try the others. It's not useful. They don't work. I can tell you now. <laughs> Most of my clients will cringe when they hear that because they're not on Postgres. But you know, Postgres is awesome. Building websites. Oh, there's a plethora of tools that you can use these days to build a uh, a website quite quickly. I've got certification in React, um, being an expert. I won't, I won't say that to any crowd, but I know this crowd would appreciate to, to know um, that I do love React. And I believe it's, it's, just, it's just amazing because of the community. Currently building an ICE website in React where I use D3, which draws on Canvas. Um, and then GraphQL. Like if you ever need to work with data, passing it through from like a website to a database, then GraphQL is a thing. Um, very new, started out in 2017, um, but was originated in 2015, 2013, I think, when Facebook started with a white paper. Um, and now there's like a GQL standard and everything. It's very solid, but it's awesome. And then at home, if you really want to be a serious developer, I'll, I'll probably suggest a good mechanical keyboard uh, because you, that that's the thing you can buy now and for the rest of your life have, if it's a proper one. I love mine. It's small. It's got nice lights on it. It does the thing and it irritates my project manager because it goes clickety-click all the days. So yeah, just loving it. Um, most probably, I would also suggest having a good newsletter coming into your email. That's also one of my tools I do enjoy. Do you still Google simple things? Like, do developers oh, Google simple things? Day. You know what scares any senior developer? Anyone. Like, I can give you a guy that has been in this, in this industry for almost 20 years, and he, he breaks out in cold sweat. Do you know what that is? It's not calculating the efficient optimization path through a B tree. That's not what gets him. You know what gets him? Center aligning a CSS element <laughs> on a web page. <laughs> I get to him and I'm like, what are you Googling? And he's like, uh, a little bit of CSS. I'm struggling for the last two and a half hours. <laughs> no. A stack overflow, good friend. Um, and then GitHub issues. GitHub issues have proved all of the difference in my life. But yeah, no, we do still Google a lot of issues. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. It's comforting. Yes. Do you have any last um, words of advice to anyone who's looking to start in the workplace or get into the sort of the field that you're in? Um, I think my advice would be still what I try to say the whole time is find that what makes you happy. You're still young, most probably. Um, and I don't, you especially, especially Azilia, I just think everybody listening to it is still young 
And to answer that question may be a daunting thing because maybe what is making you happy, you can't say aloud for a reason. But find that thing and chase it. It's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough, but it's going to be worth it. Definitely. I can believe that. I really do appreciate all of the teachings I got in the department because that was one thing I've ever, like, if, if I could show any, like, just a little bit of potential about how I would go about something, then I could have gotten support. Get people to support you and chase what you what makes you happy and you will be right as rain for the rest of your life. You won't be rich. That's what I'm not saying. <laughs> but at least you'll be happy, which I can guarantee. <laughs> That was quite interesting, hearing Frickan's story going from a geographer to a developer. Oh, yes. Yeah, you can clearly see that whatever you want to do in life, you can do, as long as you have the right motivation and perseverance to power through any struggles. Definitely. Next week, we'll chat with Amy Wooten, who works at Esri South Africa. See you next week for another episode of Geopod. Bye.